Uh, if you've got your copy of God's Word, which I hope that you do, you will open up to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I know some of this uh, may seem repetitive based off of what we heard, but I just think that God spoke to our youth group this week through this, and so I hope that He can do the same and speak through our church as well. When I first come across the theme for camp, which as they stated was I am, um, and I knew we would be looking at who is God, uh, I as well as the other teachers that went along with us knew and tried to really figure out how we would accomplish uh, studying and grasping and getting our, our mind around who God is in just a week. And that's really impossible to do. It really takes a lifetime. And even then, um, it, it can seem like just a small speck to who God is. But when I started studying this, um, I knew there would be two questions that our group needed to answer that week. Number one, who is God? And number two, who are we? Who is God and who are we? And so those were the two questions that were on my heart as I knew we were coming up to camp. And as mentioned here, our our theme verse comes out of Exodus 3.14, but I want to also look at, at verse 13 as well. This is what it says here. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. We read here a conversation between God and Moses. And Moses asked God, When they ask me what your name is, what shall I tell them? And he responds with, tell them that I am. Man, how powerful is that? I think sometimes we don't truly understand the power, the authority, that when God says, tell them I am that I am, what he means there. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to understand the power that God claims with that because um, we try to sometimes um, acknowledge God or we try to um, compare God to what we know in our life and what we can see. And we know in our life, and and while we were at camp, there was a great illustration that was given uh, that said that everything that we know physically in this life has a start and a finish. I don't care if you're talking about your brand new vehicle that you just bought. It may have a start, but it will come to a finish at some point. I don't care if we're talking about your pet that you love so much, okay? It came into this world, it had a start, it will have a finish. Everything that we know physically, even our own physical lives, had a start. Some of us longer ago than others, okay? Had a start and will physically have a finish. And so sometimes I think that when we think about God, we try to put him in that same box, but we just can't do that. We can't do that. We cannot put him in that box. There is no start. There is no 
finish. We know that God is a God of past. He is a God of present. He is a God of future. Genesis 1.1 makes it very clear that God is a God of past. There is no mystery. There is no question as to how it all started. We know in Jeremiah 29, 11-13 that God is the God of the present for He has plans for us right now. We also know in Revelation 21 that He is a God of the future. He makes it very clear in Revelation what is going to come in the future. So we know God is a God of the past. He is a God of the present. He is also a God of the future. As mentioned there by Caleb at camp, we looked at how God is holy, how God is love, how He is with us. But do we understand the power of who God is? I'm talking about the power of Elohim, the all-powerful Creator, the power of El Shaddai, our almighty sufficient one, the power of Emmanuel, God with us, or Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides for us. Do we truly understand God's power when He says, I am that I am? We can talk about His power. We can sing about His power. But are we living life like we understand His power? When you wake up tomorrow morning, are you going to live your life like you understand the power of God? Because that's real. I don't know if you know it or not. I don't know if tomorrow is just another Monday for you. But God tomorrow could say, boom, it's done, and it's done. He could say, it's time, I'm ready, and it's done. Do we live life like we truly understand the power of God? So I understand it's hard to wrap your mind about who is God in one week, but are we living life evaluating and trying to understand God's power? It's one thing to have a knowledge about power and to read about who God is in these scriptures because God paints a very clear picture of who He is in His Word. There's no, I don't know about yours, but it's, it's black and white in here to me of who God is. But it's one thing to know who He is and it's another thing to live like He is. I, I'm going to be honest with you, there are many people that are non-believers that believe there's a God. They believe there is a God. Many non-Christians believe there is a God. So, the real question is not who is God because the God gives us very clear instruction on that. The question is who is God to you? That's the question we have to answer. The Bible tells us who God is, but who is God to you? And so that was my, that was my hope for that week at camp was not that we would just wrap our mind around who is God, but who is God to each and every one of them. Second thing that we had to try to tackle that week was who are we? And I know we have, we've been fortunate enough to be brought up in a Bible believing church and so we have a, a fairly good understanding of who God is with our mind but we need to have that same knowledge of who He is with our heart. And so the second thing we tackled was who are we? After we have an understanding of who God is to us, I knew that we would need to tackle that question. So if you will turn over to John chapter 14 with me. 
John chapter 14. So to kind of give you a, 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 a breakdown of camp for us, we had a, uh, a corporate worship time like this where we were with other churches and where we had a speaker in worship time, uh, which we looked at this verse in, in Exodus, but then we also had a time where it was just our group, just our youth group. And in that time, uh, that's where we tackled the who are we. And I went to this verse here, John chapter 14, Verse 6, you all know the verse, okay? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And so I wanted us to evaluate our life by looking at that verse. Evaluate our life individually. Evaluate our life uh, as a youth group by looking at that verse. So my question then was, who is our group? Who is the Hillcrest Baptist Church Youth group. Not what do people say about you, but who are you? Who are we? And we used another I am here. When Jesus is speaking, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Okay? So we stayed within our I am theme, but we went to the exact uh, words of Jesus here in our, in our separate time with our, with our group. And through that conversation there that Jesus is having... Uh, with Thomas, he describes himself. And he describes, it's, it's one of the most uh, familiar texts in the Bible. But we broke that scripture down each night and we dug a little, little deeper to evaluate, number one, is Jesus our way? Is Jesus leading the path, the way that we are going? As a group, as an individual, he made the way for us, but are we... Are we following that same way? And then we also uh, looked at, are, are, we, are we going down a path that he would be pleased with? We looked at, is Jesus our truth? Fact the matter is, the world and Satan tries to throw a lot of lies at us, especially at that age. Okay, He will throw lies at you constantly, every day, every night. So where do we find our truth? And then thirdly, thirdly, is Jesus our life? The way, the truth, and the life. We know that Jesus is the only way to have eternal life. There are so many things to try to pull us away from that, to try to distract us from that. But the fact of the matter is, when Jesus is not the top priority in our life, it shows. When He's not our top priority, it will show. When we are not faithful to God's house on Sunday and Wednesday nights, it shows. It shows our priorities. When we spend hours on our phone but cannot spend any time in God's Word, it shows our priorities. So my prayer and my hope that week was, as Caleb mentioned, for us to be one. To be one. We are not just this group, but this church. We are the body of Christ. And while we may have different roles, we may have different responsibilities, we are all still connected. We may do different things. We may have different gifts, different blessings. 
but we are all connected. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Amen. What we looked at here on this last night in youth, I apologize, this is a double dose for you, but you probably need a reminder already, right? What I, want us, what I wanted our group to look at, and I was just so impressed as I was studying that this is exactly where God was leading me, is John chapter 17. Jesus here is about to... Um, he's about to complete... God's perfect plan. And He is about to be our sacrifice. But before He fulfills that, before He goes on the cross to die for my sins and your sins, He prays. And what He prays here in chapter 17, the first thing I want us to do is look at His prayer for His disciples. And if you will look with me in ver- for, for time's sake, I won't Read the entire thing. But if you will just focus on verse 11 with me. This is what Jesus says in in his prayer here. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them through thine own, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So as Jesus is praying for the disciples here, he prays specifically that they would be one. He knew that they were about to encounter uncharted territory. They had had a... Remember, these are men that left their jobs to follow Him. They had left everything behind to follow Jesus. And Jesus, and, and they, they could not wrap their mind around what was about to happen. Jesus knew that they were about to uh, come across some times where they would not be able to just run up and physically be face-to-face with Jesus and ask Him a question. Like they had. And so what does Jesus pray for them? He prays that they may be one. Jesus knew there was going to be some difficult times ahead for them. He knew they were probably going to get asked a lot of questions. He knew that they would be, uh, I can guarantee you, as a follower of Christ, and Jesus is crucified, you can guarantee every disciple is probably going through his mind thinking, I'm next. Here I am, I'm a follower of Christ. They've crucified him. They're probably coming for me next. And so Jesus says, Father, I pray that they may be one as we are. So then not just that alone, not just does he pray for his disciples, but if you notice on down here in verses 20 uh, through 26, he will also pray for believers. And so if you'll focus in with me again for time's sake on verse 21, we will see here that as Jesus prays for believers, this is what he says. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Why is it so important for us to be one. Well, it's right there in verse 21. That the world may believe 
that thou hast sent me. So the world may believe that God sent his son to die on a cross is why it's important for us to be one. I have been in church my whole life and I have not seen division amongst our church as I have today. Just being honest with you. If you don't think that Satan wants us fighting each other, then then I'd love to have a discussion with you. Because there is nothing that Satan wants more than for us in these pews right here to fight each other. That's what he wants. He wants us to go out of here and go to dinner tonight and talk about somebody else that's sitting in a pew here. Why? Because then we're not one. And then what happens when we're not one? Right there. When we're not one, we have a hard time showing the world that thou hast sent me. Talking about Jesus. When, when, when we're not one, we have a hard time going out and witnessing to that waitress that we're going to see at the dinner table tonight when all she's heard us all night is complain, 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 complain. So I challenged our group to be one. They're going to go back to school. They're going to get hit. Satan's already hit them. I told them the minute you get off that bus, it's going to be on. Okay? It's going to be spiritual warfare the second you land, second you pull that luggage out of there, okay? But we have to be one. Because everybody in this community needs us to be. Every lost person, every single lost person we will come in contact with needs us to be one. Church, I can remember a time where growing up, where going to Hillcrest Baptist Church was like, I mean, there was just this bond. It was like glue. I mean, you just could not break it. You could not tear it apart. We would fight for each other in the parking lot. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Okay? And I think what's happened is, I think maybe we've just gotten a little bit too far away from being one. And it's tough. I understand. It's tough. But if it was important enough for Jesus to pray, because see, just like those disciples were entering uncharted territory right there, you know, they couldn't just go up to Jesus and ask him a question to his face. Just like they were entered, entering uncharted territory, we are in uncharted territory right now. And we will be. I mean, if we think about it, and I hate to, be, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but spiritually we're vulnerable. And if we're not one, if we're not together, if we're not a unit, Satan will pick us apart one at a time. One at a time. He don't need to get the whole group at the same time. He'll take three or four over here. He'll take three or four right there. Take three or four right there. Three or four right there. Three or four right there. So as I challenged our group, and I want to challenge you, church, to do the same thing tonight, what 
in your heart, if anything, is hindering you or hindering us from being one? Is there anything in your heart that's hindering us from being one? And if that's the case, I pray that we would get that settled tonight.